0: Hi, this is Steve Hargadon and welcome to the Future of Education. It's Tuesday, July 5th, 2011, and our special guest is Dr. Sandra Hirsch. Sandy, thanks so much for being here tonight.
1: Thank you so much, Steve, I'm thrilled
0: to be here. So, Susie, if you're still hearing the music, you shouldn't be. Uh, Look to close down that window uh, or log back in again. I think log out and log back in again. Something got stuck on your machine. The Future of Education is sponsored by my employer. Uh, Now Blackboard was Illuminate. The project I work on is called Learn Central. It's a social network for educators. The interview series is also sponsored by my Web 2.0 Labs project at web20labs.com. Just a reminder, we have announced the new dates for the Global Education Conference, November 14th to 18th. This is um, a terrific five-day event, 24 hours a day worldwide, just a thrill, and in fact uh, precipitated the, some of the discussion we're going to have tonight about the Worldwide Library Conference. But coming up uh, in November the 14th to the 18th, talking about globally connecting classrooms coming up on the future of education. A very interesting show next, uh, this coming Thursday. It's Carol Black on her movie called Schooling the World. Carol and her husband were the creators of a very popular TV series called The Wonder Years. And and they have created this film about the impact of institutional schooling in northern India. And there's a lot of ramifications for how we think about schooling, and, um, and especially in the case of uh, developing countries. Then, next week, uh, we have a special on Educating for Global Competence from the Asia Society, um, and you can see lots of fun coming up. Um, a light summer schedule, but still hopefully something there that will be of interest to you. If you've missed the show, the recordings are all available online. Uh, Denise Pope was our last interview on Doing School. Larry forlazzo before that on Empowering Students. Uh, Troy Hicks on digital, Why Digital Writing Matters Uh, lots of fun. They're all up in full Illuminate versions or in the MP3 recording. If this is your first time in Illuminate, it is uh, an environment that is created for you to participate. If you look at the bottom of the participant window, you'll see a clapping hand, smiley face. Uh, The hand with the green up arrow, the larger icon, is to raise your hand to ask a question, and you can do that later when we get to uh, the Q&A portion of the show. Right now, I'm going to give you a chance to let us know where you're listening from. Look to the left of the map for a, for a wand. That's a blue stick with a red star at the end. If you click on that, and then you click on the map, you can indicate where you're participating from. It's also fun if you do a shout out in the chat. Let us know maybe what the time and the temperature are, what your weather is like. Fun to see Australia here. Don't want to steal any thunder, but uh, a Sandy, Maybe a good half to three quarters of all the signups for the Library 2.011 conference in the last three days have been from Australia.
1: That's amazing. That's really exciting to hear that so many Australians are participating and interested in the conference.
0: Okay, Bethlehem, PA, Australia, Albuquerque. Uh, I'm wondering if Peggy George is in the room. Peggy, are you still without power if you're here? if you are. Anyway, some in Phoenix who've had very tough weather. Perfect in Hawaii. Yes, we're all jealous of Hawaii, Philippines, Anchorage. Wherever you're listening from, we really appreciate it. Thank you for your participation, and if you are listening to the recording, thanks so much for taking the time to do so. Uh, so, Sandy, the day after the Fourth of July here in the United States, and uh, almost 100 people tuning in. This says something to me about interest in this topic.
1: Yes, it's exciting to see that so many people are um, interested in this topic. I mean, I think, of course, I think libraries and the future of libraries is um, something that is uh, of vital interest to all of us. So I'm pleased to see that there's as much interest about talking about the future of libraries um, and in this topic as I have. That's great. I'm looking forward to our conversation today.
2: All attendees have been muted.
1: You can unmute your line by pressing star six.
0: Sandy, I think I lost you for a minute there, but it was my fault. It related to the telephone line. Um, so whatever you said, I'm sure it was brilliant. So uh, you and I met um, last year at San Jose State University. Do you want to tell me a little bit about your role there?
1: Sure, Steve. I. T- I started at San Jose State uh, last August, so I've been in my role now just for 11 months. Uh, almost exactly, and I came to San Jose State University to take on the director role for the School of Library and Information Science, which um, I thought was an exciting place to be. I had been in industry for the last 12 years, um, working at companies like Microsoft and HP Labs and LinkedIn, which were really interesting and um, fascinating places to be in the Silicon Valley. But I was really attracted to um, coming back to academia, especially to um, coming back to my roots in library and information science where there is so, so many changes going on. Um, many many of the things that we see in the Silicon Valley in terms of new technology developments and the like have very direct implications for um, the kinds of ways that we think about um, information and the way that we Um, provide access to that information and um, the way that we find that information. So to me, I find library and information science is uh, kind of the nexus of a lot of interesting trends and developments, and um, so I'm thrilled to be back um, in academia again and at the School of Library and Information Science at San Jose State University.
0: So that's quite a mouthful. There is an acronym for the school. How do you pronounce that?
1: We pronounce it as SLIS.
0: So do you want to brag a little bit about SLIS?
1: Sure. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> it's great to have the opportunity to do that. Um, our school is um, the largest school of library and information science in the world. And uh, we have students in 48 of the 50 states in the United States, and we have students in 17 countries around the world. Uh, we have about 2,500 graduate students, and um, we're reported to be the largest school of vibrant information science in Canada as well. So uh, while we're certainly large, that doesn't, we don't we're not large at the uh, expense of quality of the programs that we have. And we're really um, proud that the reason why we're able to be in so many places is because we do offer our program 100% online. So graduate students can complete their masters in library and information science or we have a couple other degrees as well in archives and records administration and, and we also have a gateway Ph.D. program with our colleagues at the Queensland University of Technology in Australia. Um, we're and the teacher librarian credential program, but uh, we're able to offer these kinds of programs uh, to so many students because we are 100% online. And um, that allows us to reach out and um, educate so many um, other people around the world. And um, that's something that we take really seriously. And so this is exciting to be um, talking to, with you all and have a global audience to participating today.
0: Andy, it feels like we have uh, some really uh, conflicting uh, societal responses to uh, libraries and librarianship. At the same time, it feels like I'm hearing very mixed messages. One message is uh, libraries are less relevant uh, with the internet; that we don't um, we, we we can we can get those services in other ways, so we're going to cut back. And the other message is that the librarian is sort of the model, the new model of an educator providing help and accessing resources and understanding um, uh, how to use those well. Uh, what what kind of messaging do you give about this particular period of time and the, and the conflicting impressions we have?
1: Well, I, I think that uh, you've, you've summarized a lot of the issues um, that are profession is grappling with really nicely um, in terms of what, are, what is the future of libraries, um, how relevant are they in this digital age, um, and what are the appropriate roles for people um, trained as librarians. And that's something we spend a lot of time talking about and thinking about in the profession and also in thinking about how we prepare our students for the future too. It's interesting. Um, I have uh, I'm actually a second generation librarian, not even only that, but I'm a second generation um, faculty member with PhD in library and information science. And um, because of that background and the kind of rareness of the second generation um, uh, uh, in the field like that, um, I've had the Opportunity to kind of see the field change and evolve over time, um, both from coming to uh, conferences like the American Library Association conference as a child, and seeing the evolution of libraries and really thinking deeply about about those um, about those changes. And um, when I myself went to get my master's degree um, in library and information science from U- University of Michigan. Um, It was already several years ago and and it's interesting because the um, kinds of uh, technologies that were available at that time were very different from today. Um, So at that time things like CD-ROMs were just coming out were the new hot technology and and email was brand new and just getting started in, in its use. And when we reflect back on how uh you know how things were even then when i was getting my master's degree and how things are today we couldn't have predicted at that time um what our how our how the roles were going to be changing and what new technologies would be available for us and the different ways that our services could change however when we boil down to uh what um Some of the kind of core principles of library and information science, in terms of you know providing access to information, regardless of the format and regardless of where you can get it, and um, the the finding the quality information, kind of the literacy that's part of that process there's really certain core principles that translate no matter what. And so the, tr- the kind of the challenge that our field is t- facing at this time is to think about what are those core principles and what are the ways that we can be applying them both within library settings and also outside of library settings. There's a lot of call for people trained in library and information science skills that are not necessarily in traditional library roles, and those are just more opportunities that um, of kind of expanding out how we think about what people do with a degree and 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 the relevance of that skills and training. So I'm talking for a long time, but I do want to say get back to kind of the core of your question, which is you know how is it that. Um, you know, what's the relevance of libraries today? And I think that in terms of library relevance, I, I, they are relevant. I mean, it's just that what what roles the libraries are playing in communities is evolving and shifting and changing as it naturally should as we have different types of content that's available in different formats and as we have new capabilities for providing services to access information. Um, so I think that there's a lot of opportunities for us to be thinking and reshaping. The key is, and this is something we talk a lot about in the school, is to be prepared for change and to be Uh, ready for that because um, you can't, it's it's very hard to predict in the near future exactly you know we couldn't predict even a few years ago that the iPads would have been as wildly successful as they are today. So having that readiness for um, preparing for those changes and to be thinking creatively about the best ways that we apply the core principles of our training is um, I think some of the ways that, that libraries Play a key role in today's society, Um, and I welcome your more probing in that space.
0: Well, so Lori asked uh, about um, what those non-traditional settings would be, and you and I have gone, you know, around on this today, even as we talked about the conference um, and the idea of uh, information professionals uh, as a phrase rather than librarians. So, so where do? outside of libraries do information professionals make a difference?
1: Great question. So uh, one of the things that I myself have done with my own personal training and experience has been to actually translate some of the kinds of core skills that we get in training in library and information science and map it to other new, newer areas that didn't exist when I got my master's degree. So for example, when I worked at Microsoft in product development, I was the manager for, uh, of user experience for areas like like Hotmail and Windows Live Web Communications, um, consumer-based product areas. And what I did in in those roles at Microsoft, for example, was to take my deep understanding about user behavior and how you organize content and information and applied that to different kinds of products, like how do you best represent content and information in an email service like Hotmail? What kind of ordering of that content is best represented to the user? What are the core user needs that they have, and how can you best represent? How, how do those match? Um, and a lot of those things are things that we study and think about in in a program of library and information science, but um, but that they, they uh, um, but are not necessarily how we. Talk about it or think about it ourselves, and so, um, so I've applied that at Microsoft, at a company like like LinkedIn as well. So I. see that there are many types of opportunities for us to be thinking broadly about that training. There's also other opportunities, information architects, there's um, uh, web analytics, um, there's researchers of all different types, there's designers, there's lots of different ways that people are using our skill sets today and applying them in different kinds of ways.
0: So we're getting great chat in the chat room. And I I forgot to mention, it's very hard to see that chat uh, in the standard format for Illuminate. So I recommend in the audience, if you would, go up to View Layouts and switch yourself to the Wide Layout. And you'll find it's easier to follow that chat. So Sandy, we're seeing things like uh, Eileen says, librarian is such a good word. Do we really have to give it up? Uh, InfoMeister saying that he's been using the term cybrarian for 17 years. I'm kind of curious, with your, you know, unique background, um, what things are you hoping that you'll be able to accomplish um, at San Jose State?
1: Well, I think that um, well that the question about different terms. Um, uh, I think that it's interesting. I was talking uh, with um, some people at uh, at a conference I was recently at, and we all went around the room and realized that none of us had ever been held a job where we um, actually were called a librarian, yet we were applying our skill sets in those ways. so I don't know that it matters so much what we're called as as long as we're applying our skill sets um, and um, finding kind of work and meaningful ways to to impact um, uh, different types of environments so but then um back to your question about you know what am I hoping to do at San jose state um, university um I, you know I think that that being as large as we are, I think is really an opportunity for us to to help um uh kind of uh, bring some of the kind of recent thinking into um, the program and into the profession. Uh, we're really working to prepare our students to handle the evolving profession and the technologies like we were just talking about. And so we're aiming to prepare our students to work in libraries and to work in a broad range of settings like we just talked about. One of the exciting things that we just found found out last week that was that we were awarded um, a grant, a federal grant, an IMLS grant to explore some new models for new residency models for recent grads in library and information science to bring some of their new learnings and their, um, about emerging technologies into public and academic libraries in an embedded way as a catalyst in these environments. So we're very interested in a variety of ways that we can prepare our students to make sure that they are prepared for not just today, but also for the future as well. Another thing is that I think we've just talked about also is the importance of building on our core knowledge base of library and information science in terms of how you organize and find and collect and make information accessible. And I think that's something that we need to constantly focus on and build on and stay current on. And then I think that given that we're 100% online, we were actually leaders in in that. We were, um, I believe, the first school to go 100% online with our education in fall 2009. Now there's a number of schools that are following suit, but it's, Kind of, I think that one of the things is that we have been doing this for so long that we've really um, developed a really strong model for how to provide that online learning experiences to ensure great educational experiences. But we always are constantly innovating in that space. And we're excited to be adding in new experiences and more enriching experiences to constantly improve how we deliver that education another thing that we're really interested in doing and I'm go oh you want to interrupt oh, no that <laughs> Um, was just a, um, a interest in pursuing partnerships and collaborative opportunities, and um, to just so that we can continue to evolve groundbreaking um, information, practices, and theories and technology. So we're always looking to partner with other institutions and research um, collaborators and industry partners to um, to come up with new ideas and to really make contributions. And the last thing I want to say is is that we are interested in extending our global focus as well. And um, this is one of the reasons, actually all of those reasons taken in total but then especially with this global focus is one of the reasons why we're so excited to be partnering with Steve on our library 2.011 conference um, and the opportunity to kind of foster that global partnership and conversation. I'm sorry, Steve. You can
0: break in now. <laughs> I'm sorry, because there's this lag because of my computer problem, so it's my fault. and, and I'm, It's never my job to interrupt you when you're speaking. So you're, you're the guest here, so we're here to hear you. Uh, I was laughing because Louise uh, coined the term, and maybe she didn't create it, but she definitely uh, made me laugh when she said here that uh, cyber goddess was a good, good enough phrase for her. Um, <laughs> Let's segue to the conference, which I think is a you, you do, you've done a great job bringing us around to the conference topic. Um, I'm really excited about this. You know, I'm not a librarian. I inherited the Library 2.0 network from Bill Drew, who actually created it before I created Classroom 2.0, and had some trouble with um, spams. And was um, going to shut the network down, and I offered to keep it going. And so I'm uh, here by interest, but not by expertise, and very excited that you have kind of jumped on this and gotten excited about holding the conference. So let's talk quickly about that, if we could. Um, and I'm interested uh, right off the bat in this question of uh, the name. So you know, we talked about Library 2.0, and we ultimately ended with Library 2.011. What's been the um, kind of discussion around Library 2.0, and why would that have been a little bit problematic?
1: Well, it's interesting. Um, the Library um, 2.0 discussion was very active. Um, I think it was more in around 2007. There was a flurry of discussions around that topic. And um, and some some people were critical of that idea, saying that we've already were doing Library 2.0 activities and it wasn't anything new and uh, you know it just there was just generally um, there was some criticism about that and then what's interesting is that it kind of fell out of discussion um, and it's um, something that when we were talking about it our goal for this conference was very much more was not about you know, uh, you know, being negative or anything like that. It was very much to have kind of a fruitful and productive conversation. So we went round and round. Is you know, is 2.0 library 2.0 still a topic of conversation? Is it something? Is it? Are we on to library 3.0 now? What's the right thing? And uh, we decided that we liked the idea. It was, um, the idea of turning it into library 2.011 because it was. A, It's suggested that this is a time that we're revisiting this topic and bringing our new thinking to bear on the topic of Library 2.0 and um, updating our thinking and um, having this kind of productive discussion around it.
0: I still really like the 2.0 meme. I like the idea of sort of a major shift. And every time I hear 3.0 or 4.0, I, you know, I kind of feel like uh, it, it it's diluting the sort of larger shifts that are taking place in our culture and society um, that are so significant that they should, for me at least, be still very much a part of the conversation for some period of time. Um, I wanted to let you know that since we announced the conference, we've had over 1,000 people sign up. And I did a count this morning. Um, So it's not complete, but uh, so far from over 66 countries people have signed up since we announced the the conference, and again the largest contingent uh, right now being Australia, which is uh, delightful, and I think because it hit a list there. I've put the page up for the conference, and those of you who are here tonight get a little bit of a sneak peek because today is the day we announce the call for uh, presentations and on the website now you'll see we actually have the strands up and then later tonight after the show is done uh, we'll be posting the call for presentation. So I'm going to put the strands up now and I wonder, Sandy, if you might uh, kind of look at those strands and talk about, you know, in particular uh, what your um, thoughts have been about which of those topics really sort of hot-button issues for you and and what what are you really excited about?
1: Thank you, Steve. Uh, I am Really excited, actually, about all of these topics, and I think that there's a lot of things that I'm hoping we'll have to get to talk about during the conference as well. And um, for me, also before. I- I go through. I, I'd like to add that I was excited about using this medium for us to have this kind of discussion around library 2.0 issues. I think I saw somebody talk talking about um, how yeah how it conserves the entire idea of library 2.0 of user generative democracy democratizing information distribution and I really like that idea and the idea that that's kind of what we're doing with this conference too in terms of making it so readily available across the world for us to have that conversation. So it felt very appropriate for us to be talking about library 2.0 issues in this way that we're doing it. But to answer your question specifically, some of some of the areas that I'm in the strands that I'm especially excited about is this idea of um, uh, this idea of the role of the library. It goes back to one of your very first questions, Steve. I think that our, us putting our minds together to kind of think creatively and to discuss some of these issues will be really exciting, um, especially that idea of library as space versus the library as service, as a service, and how we think about what we do in library spaces today. Um, there's, it's interesting to see the trends like in academic libraries. We have a number of libraries that are recently going the way of so-called bookless libraries, and I think that that's an interesting idea. And they're not really bookless, so what does that exactly mean? And um, for us to be talking about what that that role is—is is a library, community center, a learning commons? H- how do you treat the physical space, and how do you treat libraries in a virtual way too, in a way that makes sense in terms of distributing, um, serving our distributed audiences and users as well? So I think these are very, very interesting topics, um, and. Go ahead. Go
0: ahead. Well, I'll, uh, only because we have this time lag, and I'm going to jump back in, but I really want you to keep going. Um, but I will say I'm really excited about the conference because, in part, we're when we announced the call for proposals tonight. When you submit your proposal to speak, you'll actually be submitting it in a forum. Uh, structure that allows other people to, to make connections with you and comment so that hopefully what we're doing is really building bridges between people around topics so that even before the conference takes place you've made connections with people who are interested in the same things that you are.
1: I really like how you have that structured that way and uh, I think that will, again, provide that ability to have that rich conversation. So I I think that was great. Um, So that's one whole area that I'm really interested in having um, a conversation about. Um, In terms of librarians and information professionals, we also talked briefly about that so far today. And I see that there are so many interesting ways for us to be thinking about how we apply our library and information science skill sets. And what the our role is meaning in uh, in this changing um, environment and um and also how we can turn our positions more into leadership roles too. I mean, we all have an opportunity um whatever the role that we have. Um, whether we're a director or a reference librarian or a school librarian, we're leaders in our own way, and we have the opportunity to affect change and to take to to um, to advocate for 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 different um, projects and, and opportunities. So I I think thinking about our roles in a very proactive uh, way, I think. I'm really interested in hearing people's ideas and thoughts and discussions around all of those areas. And I'm pausing, Steve, in case you have anything that you would like to say.
0: Okay. Well, I'll add here also that while you think about sort of the next subject here that you might want to drill down on, that we are doing what we did with the Global Education Conference, which is we're really actively seeking partner organizations. We'd like any organization, school, library, that's willing to uh, promote the conference to their membership, to be a partner in the conference. There's no financial cost to doing so. We'll promote your organization on the website. We'll link to it directly. We just ask that you let people know about the conference. And if you become a conference partner, we'll give you a spotlight session for speaking. And so this for me is very fun because it's part of this sense that, that with a virtual conference, we have the ability to be highly inclusive that we can really look to bring people in and really make those connections and share because we're not constrained by time or space or money in most cases.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Thank you, Steve. Uh, talking about the next area, the information organization area, um, I think this is an opportunity for us to have a very rich discussion around the different ways that we... Um, talk about how we organize content and information, and so I think that th- there's a lot of opportunity for us to talk about that, including how we do that from a social perspective, and I think that's very appropriate from a library 2.0 perspective, and um, how we approach uh, make, bringing order to some of the chaos that we have with the massive amounts of information that um, our, our um, user communities are exposed to and what role do they have in helping to bring some order out of that chaos too and and where are the boundaries. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity for us to have great discussion around those topics. and then thinking about access and delivery, there's been so much discussion in our profession about some of these topics recently, um, especially about the ebook revolution and the really massive changes that are happening as a result of people using accessing book content more frequently through digital mediums. And I think that this there's. This really raises some some of the kind of core questions. I think that Steve was asking at the um, beginning about how we are thinking about the, the right balance and the emphasis between content that we deliver versus you know the physical medium that you deliver it in. You know whether it's a physical book or a print material. What's the container for that? So I think you know how. What, how we're evolving how we provide access to that content and also how users are changing, their their expectations are changing as well. I think there's a lot of really rich discussion that I'm looking forward to around that. Actually in all of these topics, <laughs> it's the same thing about social networking use and how we use that to reach out to our um, user communities and how we promote our services using social networking and how we integrate mobile technology into the library and there's been a lot of, I mean, many libraries are already doing these kinds of things, but I think there's a lot more integration um, and discussion about the best ways to provide those kinds of services and delivery that we could be doing. the, yeah, and the changing world of publisher. I, I'm excited about all these topics, Steve. <laughs> so I can't wait to have this conversation um, about all of these um, areas. Um, yeah. I don't know if, Steve, you want to break in or probe about anything?
0: I will break in. But just to say that, um, we didn't emphasize it already, the conference is free, and it's free because Uh, you've stepped in as a sponsor of the conference. And I think that uh, speaks very highly of you also uh, and and allows for An an event that really hopefully builds a lot of bridges and creates a lot of opportunity for dialogue and discussion. And and Bruce, and maybe some others are clapping, and I agree. I'm going to clap for you, Sandy, because I think it's a terrific thing you've done. Um, We did add a learning strand, and then we added uh, the content and creation. And and I'm. It seems like learning makes a lot of sense. Content and creation. I was wondering how that would kind of go over. But the sense that uh, moving from sort of passive consumption to you know co-creation and production, um, I'm interested in your take on that, and then maybe we can sort of shift into the Q&A, and anybody who wants to talk about that can use that as a starting point.
1: So, Steve, I'm sorry. Was that were you? You were asking me a question about that. Then, what was the question?
0: Uh, just uh, sort of the 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 importance now of content creation as a topic uh, in the library, moving from just consumption to actually the ability to create um, e-books and other kinds of things, um, and, and is that sort of a, uh, a new topic?
1: Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, yeah, I think that the content creation, I mean, that is something that is has is a more recent topic for sure, um, largely because of the, you know, the, the explosion of the internet and the ease with which it that people have with creating content and the, if the wild success of um, Wikipedia and other uh, co-created uh, tools and information products. So I think that there's a lot of um, interesting questions that you know as we are moving kind of more into this. Content creation and the role of user-generated content in this whole process, I think, really raises a lot of questions about. um, And we kind of skipped over it, but in terms of the learning and the literacy, and how people then take advantage of how they apply critical thinking to assess the validity or the the the, uh, of the content that they're reading. How do you know? At this point, you know what, what uh, content is uh, you know is is to be trusted and which isn't, and so there's a lot of interesting questions that kind of go hand in hand as we look across the overall strands here. Um, there's some there's definitely things that are related from one to the next topic area.
0: So I'm clicking back to the main conference site. I'm going to put the link in the chat again. Uh, Rita and Louise appear to both have raised their hands. So if you were hoping to ask a question, Rita, I'm going to give you the microphone. And you turn that on by clicking on the microphone button at the lower left of your screen. And let's see how that goes for you. And maybe Rita was just clapping and accidentally hit the raise hand. If you would like to ask a question, uh, Sandy is now available. I'm going to turn to shift us the Q&A. Questions about uh, the the program, questions about uh, libraries and librarianship and information professionals, or questions about the conference, or if you'd like to make a comment on something that we've said. A number of you uh, I know personally here and I'm hoping that you'll speak up if there's something that um, you'd like to raise as a discussion point. You do raise your hand by clicking on that hand with the green up arrow at the lower left of your screen. So, Vicki, I've given you the microphone, you turn that on at the lower left, I think you've done that before.
3: Thanks, Steve. Uh, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hmm. Nobody can hear me?
1: Yes, we can hear you.
3: Oh, okay. Uh, my question is, I'm, I'm just wondering how you get through the massive amounts of information that are out there and find the good stuff. I know a lot of people in, in doing research, you know, you go into the, the the morgues of newspapers and print and you find these little nuggets. One thing that about searching today is that you seem to have to know what you're looking for. There's no, I don't know if you can do the same kind of accidental discoveries that writers love. I mean, how are you going to help us get through all this stuff?
1: Well, that's a great question and something that um, there's been a lot of discussion about information literacy and, and digital literacy and, and the ways that we can help people. Um, sort through the massive amounts of information that you identified. And um, that's a big problem. I mean one of the big trends that, that has been in the case for years, and this goes back doesn't matter what field you're in really, I mean say engineering literature going way back was kind of the same as kind of the principle of least effort that a lot of people follow. And that is the idea that, you know, you kind of grab the information that's the easiest for you to get. And sometimes that's by asking somebody and today it oftentimes Times it's through using the internet, and um, and you know using whatever that may be, whether that's Wikipedia or uh, you know searching Google and taking the first page of references. So there's one thing that part you. part of it's human nature, you know, people will gravitate to oftentimes the easiest things. Then there's a training component of how do you teach people to be kind of smarter about, um, you know, evaluating Uh, information more effectively and knowing even where to start, like what kind of sources you should go to. So I mean that's partially the role of a reference librarian if if that's part of the information seeking process, but many times it's not. So um, this is something that, you know, there's, uh, you know, I know that, for example, there's um, search literacy as well. I know Google has been very interested in, in developing search literacy as a concept and teaching people to be smarter in their searches and more effective in that. But there's so many different pieces to that puzzle and that's something that the library field has been taking on, um, and also I believe I know the education field and teachers take time and care with that topic as well, in educating students and as they move through their um, education process. So there's not a simple one-size-fits-all answer to your question. I think it's something that um, I think would also be interesting for technology to to evolve to the point where that. In, at some future point wouldn't it be interesting if 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 in your Google search or, or your other kind of search that you are prompted to um, you know it could evaluate whether or not a site seems valid or not and give you some sort of an assessment or help you prompt you to even think about it so there's I think there's a whole range of um, solutions that need to be um, built into the process including a big piece is partnership between librarians and educators to uh, to effectively train people to, to be critical consumers of content.
0: So I'm giving the microphone to Marion. Marion, to turn your microphone on you click on the lower left of your screen. There's a larger microphone button. Let's see if uh, that works for you.
3: I just wanted to follow up on the the prompt you gave us on the content and creation topic um, to say that strand in particular sounds interesting to me. I'm a curriculum consultant and I work closely with our county librarian and some of our public libraries as well. Um, They provide a lot of support to our teachers to make – I'll raise my volume. My volume better now? Yes, that's much yes, that's better. Much better. Sorry, I had it down low trying to be quiet earlier. Thank you for the notes. Um, I was just responding to Steve's prompt on content and creation as a curriculum consultant and stepping into this Web 2.0 world, I know a lot of the struggle is the educators helping the students learn to develop and create content that's meaningful, particularly in problem-based learning. We need librarians, the media specialists, the goddesses to support the teachers as we're helping the students um, process the curriculums. I'm very excited at the potential of that strand in particular, just to share that feedback. Thanks.
1: That's great. Thank That's you, Marian. I, I think that, I think that uh, sounds, great, sounds and great, and I think, I that, think that there, that are, a there are a lot of opportunities for, opportunities for, for partnerships. Partners. I hear an echo. I don't know if other people do.
0: So I've given Brenda the mic. Brenda, you had, go ahead and turn that on using the button at the lower left of your screen.
4: Um, I just like to respond to the last speaker. I agree with her that the librarians need to collaborate with teachers as they're preparing students for critical thinking. But I also would like to comment that very often what I'm seeing is that we will invite collaboration with, libra- with teachers but it's very hard to get participants sometimes. We are definitely aware of teaching strategies and critical thinking skills and all of that working with the students and would love to make sure that we are doing some of the very same things that the teachers are doing.
1: Did you hear me? Yes, I did. I wasn't sure if you were done, um, Brenda. I, that's a really good um, point, and I know that's something that is not just unique. I mean, it's not just unique to K-12 education. but It is also true in academic library settings as well. We're trying to forge that strong partnership between faculty and um, li- library uh, librarian and librarian and, and a teacher um, is something that does require work and it's it does require partnerships, so it is truly a two-way um, event, and, um, and if you don't have a willing partner, then, then it's not going to be successful, but there are also a number of um, uh, teachers or faculty that are willing to partner, and those are definitely great places to start.
0: I noticed Joyce mentioning that uh, librarians have never been more needed. Uh, Joyce, in particular, uh, I'm interested in your sort of feedback on this because it feels to me, at least within the K-12 world in which I operate, uh, there isn't a really good understanding of that. Are you willing to take the mic and, and talk about it a little bit? Or, uh, so, Joyce, I've yeah, given you I, the microphone. There
2: here you go. Um, you know what? Uh, I don't have my headset with me, so I'm hoping there's not going to be an echo. Um, I'm, I'm, is this okay? I, I think this is the most exciting time ever to be a librarian, and I want the joy to somehow be part of this conference because um, what I'm doing is, is more exciting than ever before. What I'm doing is I'm modeling for learners almost how to be librarians themselves. Um, how to set up feeds, how to manage the information, how to how to how to have it pushed rather than pull, how to create um, legal lists, how to create live finders, um, how to make sense of information, new evaluation strategies that they've never had to deal with before because so much of this is contextual. You know in the old days we we look for scholarly journals exclusively. And, and now the, the blog on the floor um, at the um, at the nuclear facility in Japan um, by by the nurse who's there might be as, as valid and, and certainly more timely than waiting two years for the scholarly journal to come out. And then there is also you know the gay girl in Damascus issue. How do we evaluate? Tweets. Um, who is the most authoritative tweeter? Um, there's so much to be excited about, and, and it, I, I'm working with kids, and, and it's never been more fun. And we're also looking at incorporating their work into our notion of collection. So in my mind, library has become more transformational than transactional, more kitchen than grocery store. I've written about this a hundred times, uh, but it is so much fun and I am more joyful about this than ever before and I'm I'm interested in this notion of of curation that the um, marketing world and the engineering world, the business world has taken over. And I, you know, I, I'm excited about finding myself in, in the position of being a dynamic curator of both content and, and learner based work and uh, and modeling that for the for the people that I serve. so it's exciting um, and I, I'd love to capture some of this excitement in in this conference and I'm eager to blog about it.
1: Thank you so much, Joyce. I'm really um, I'm, I, somebody wrote that your energy is infectious and I would agree. Uh, I also share with you that excitement of our profession and I personally very optimistic about what we have to offer and the value that we provide. So I'm pleased to hear you also talk about that and uh, with such uh, excitement and energy. So I think that's wonderful, and and I think we do have so much to offer. I think there's a lot of confusion in, in these areas, and pe- pe- I love that authoritative tweeting and and all of these different pieces of what you talked about. So I definitely am hoping that we have that kind of energy and excitement and positive thinking about where the future is and and you know what the opportunities are because honestly I think that we're only bounded by um, the opportunities are we're bounding our own opportunities if we're not thinking kind of broadly about these different possibilities and the ways that we can be um, having an impact so thank you for saying all of that that was fantastic
0: uh, there's a question in the chat or a request for Joyce to share a link to a TEDx. Um, Eventually, and I would love to see that as well. And, and Joyce, I was doing several things, and I heard the, the more kitchen and not something. And I can't remember what the second part was. And I'd love it if you put that in the chat so I, will, I can write it down. Um, I, there was also a mention in the chat about how do we bring this conversation outside of, sort of the library community. And I'm interested if anybody in the chat or on the session has ideas about how we would help promote the conference beyond sort of the existing people who are talking about it to those uh, who are administrators or in positions where they affect libraries and librarians uh, but may not be fully aware of what's taking place. I'm sorry, I've got this terrible lag, so I'm afraid of talking over. But if you have a response to that, I would love to see it in the chat or feel free to raise your hand. That's the hand with the green up arrow. How do we let the superintendents know what what can we do with the conference? Should we have a particular part of the conference really devoted to sending kind of messages to certain uh, groups?
1: That's kind of an interesting idea, Steve. Um, I'm kind of I think that it might be interesting to have 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 that, but I also wonder if we could attract them to some of these topics, I think that there would be so much value in in participating in the mainstream as well. So I wonder what the right balance of that is.
0: I really agree with that, and I think you're right. You know, on reflection, that's probably just as valuable or maybe more valuable to make sure that the, the content of the conference is being widely promoted and distributed. So we've probably got time for one more question. Uh, Brenda, I don't know if your hand is still up, if you have a question. If you do, feel free to take the microphone. If anybody else would like to ask the final question, either you can put it in the chat or raise your hand as the hand with the green up arrow. And while you're doing so, I'm going to switch to my uh, you know, kind of a coming up slide. Uh, Thursday, 10, now, now, now Blah Black on her Movie p- Schooling World.
4: I would, just, Go ahead, Brenda. I would actually just like to add that, I think it's really exciting that the globalism push side is really coming to the forefront, but I also agree that we really do need to get administrators involved and make them a part of this, some way uh, maybe as a presenter or an invitation and also look at advertising to the community. And, and inviting them, some users or a survey, and getting them involved in speaking.
0: Terrific, terrific. Which is a really good Ed, point. And turn off your mic there. Um, again, if you know organizations that you think would be good partner organizations, if you run or work for an organization that would like to partner, there is no cost of being a conference partner. We do um, promote you, and we and all we ask in return is that you uh, make sure that your membership is aware of the conference and aware of the opportunity to submit to present. Uh, we are going to post the call for presentations tonight, uh, which is very exciting. It will be on the website. And uh, you've seen the strands list. and, And again, a very fun methodology here. Your proposals will go up online, giving you the chance to get feedback from others and to make connections right off the bat final proposals are due on the, by the 15th of September, uh, and we'll be uh, letting people know of their acceptance just to present uh, on the 30th of September. So, Sandy, uh, it's been delightful to get to know you and especially to have you on tonight. Any final comments before we close the night?
1: Thank you so much for having me, Steve. And um, thank you for um, being such a great audience. I um, love talking with you and talking about the future of libraries. As we discussed, I think that there's really a great future for both. And um, really on um, this conference and the global nature of it is our opportunity to have that conversation and to think about the future and to think about what's going on today and to um, come up with ideas together about ways that we can improve um, both the way things work uh, within libraries and information environments, but also i love that idea of bringing in other communities as well into the conversation. So I hope you'll help us um, in getting the word out about the conference, Um, I think this will be and I hope you'll submit something and that you'll participate and I'm looking forward to having, continuing our conversation, I hope this is just a start. So thank you so much for your time and attention today and I look forward to talking to you further.
0: Thank you, Sandy. Thanks, everybody, for putting up with my uh, technical difficulty and the delay, Uh, but that was really delightful and really appreciate all that Sandy is doing here with the conference and appreciate your attending tonight. Uh, We'll go ahead and wrap up uh, and look forward to continued conversation. If you do want to be kept informed about the conference, please do go to library2011.com and sign up and you'll get additional uh, continued notices from us about the conference. Take care, everybody, and have a great night. And the way the conference room works is we actually have to close the room out in order for the recording to process. So if you haven't left the room in the next couple of minutes, uh, you'll notice that I actually will close the room out and it will close you out. But thanks so much for coming. Really appreciate it. And thanks again, Sandy.